cool. I like you over there. I like you right there, or I like you, especially you, that one. Hey everyone, welcome to the Function Call. This is a friendly programming podcast. Uh, on the show today, I've got Mr. Grant Glidewell. That's me. I didn't, say, didn't do anything with your name this time. How'd that feel? I, I, I tried to jump in before you had a chance. Was it missing anything? I feel like it was missing something. It's still I'll special get back every time you say my name. You think so? Oh. Um, yeah, and uh, me, Austin Gill. Uh, I'm hanging out in pretty cold Portland, Oregon. Uh, cold and rainy. I don't know if you can see out the window in the back, but uh, definitely not if you're listening on the podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast show. Oh, uh, nice yeah. Pitter patter of rain hitting the window. Oh, that'd be so sweet. Uh, we could we could see if Kato wants to put in some some background uh, rain sound effects. Just some nice ASMR, like kick back, relax. Yeah, that might that might be a, a nice pivot for this show. People are into it. We should throw that into one of the shows and just see, and then uh, like do some A/B testing. See oh, how people man. feel about that. It's like, hey, welcome to the function call. This is the ASMR show about. Well, we're not quite sure yet. <laughs> that do anything for you? It's. Uh... <laughs> What is what it's is the, the rating we're going for in our in our podcast? How appropriate does this need to stay? <laughs> oh, like for children or not? Um, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure there's ASMR for kids. Oh, that sounds really cute. It does, and you know, if not, maybe we just invented it. Oh, ASMR for kids. Kids love ASMR. But, you know, if we did if we did just invent it, um, we're gonna have to put that off until the next show because this show. We oh. are talking about translating libraries. So I think we're going to be focusing on JavaScript, but most of this stuff uh, will apply for other programming languages that you're working with, right? Well, that's interesting. Actually, you bring up converting stuff from other languages entirely. I've also done this. That's yeah, yeah. wild. Yeah, so we're going to be talking libraries, but you know, just, just basically like getting into source code that is... Uh, working in someone else's tech stack that isn't meant for your tech stack, uh, and like reading through source code and, and bringing that into yours or not. Um, so the thought behind this, Grant, maybe you can you can give us a little bit of the uh, background on on why we're talking about this today. So I was uh, I was twittering uh, the the other week, and uh, someone that I follow on Twitter had posted something about wanting to create an accessible uh, component for like a, like a drawer uh, component. So something that slides in from the side um, and getting some accessibility ideas around that. And I thought, you know what? I know this dude. Uh, he made this library called Vutensils. And it's all about accessibility. <laughs> And there's probably some great stuff in there that, that he could use. Now, this guy's a, a React developer, and you know I'm recommending view components or a view library to just kind of get some ideas around it. But uh, he didn't bat an eye. And I, I think it's important that uh, you know developers don't stay kind of locked into their um, tech stack of choice, right? Like 
you know, I, I really enjoy working in React. I'm very comfortable in it. Uh, my my mental model fits well into into that universe. Um, but that's not the only place where where like interesting solutions and and cool stuff is happening. There's there's lots of cool stuff happening um, around, um, say, uh, view or any other number of kind of front-end libraries that are coming out. I'm trying to remember the one that I got totally sidelined by before we started recording. Svelte. Svelte. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Svelte. Yeah, I mean, like, literally any any sort of... If you're talking about front-end development, and that could be even, like, a server-side scripting languages that's spitting out uh, HTML or front-end code. Um, yeah, being able to, like, look at... Uh, or 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 translate an example from some other language into whatever it is that you're doing, right? So if it's if it's an HTML snippet or an HTML like part that's being spit out in PHP and you want to apply that to like your front end in React, you just have to like translate that to like some JSX stuff and maybe you know figure out if there is any sort of um, client side scripting going on, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was confident. <laughs> Thanks. So I, th- I think there's a few parts to this, right? One, mm-hmm. one, one part of this is uh, the general attitude, and 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 I can speak for for the React community that I've I've uh, been a part of, right? Like I I don't know if this is prevalent in the Vue community. It wouldn't shock me. I don't know if this is prevalent in the Angular community or the Spelt community or the jQuery community. Or well, I know for a fact it is prevalent in the jQuery community because mm-hmm. Stack Overflow tells me so. Uh, but but the the kind of ecosystem specific searching for solutions like how do i do this in react um i I ran into somebody on twitter yesterday that was trying to implement something uh specifically in react that i i felt pretty strongly this could just be a closure that has he didn't need to tie it to any react life cycles he didn't need to tie this behavior to um anything in react uh besides when his component mounted um, and so, you know, my, my solution for something like that, like, uh, I, I have a, a toast controller, um, that essentially is just a closure. Um, and that way I don't need to create some global store and, you know, feed it through my react project. Like it's just a closure that exists in memory when the application mounts and you can, uh, import it into components and, you know throw new toast messages if you need to um throwing toast all over the kitchen just toast everywhere um (laughs) but you know it's it's things like that where i think a lot of developers try and kind of isolate themselves or not really try to but just kind of wind up thinking only in terms of their tech stack and not so much in like javascript at large so there's like a, a huge number of solutions in Stack Overflow that are like, how do I do this thing? And the answer is in jQuery. Um, yeah. And then you get somebody responding sarcastically like, this is how you do it in vanilla JS now, you jackass. Like, okay, well, when they answered that question, you couldn't really do that in vanilla JS. Uh, but thank you, uh, SmugSir, for <laughs> updating you. the solution. Oh, yeah. 
Thank you, random Reddit user. Man, I was on Reddit. I posted something on Reddit the other day. I got I got I got like such bad comments from one dude that was just like he was not having he was not having what I was trying to share. And he would he was also like really cryptic with his responses. He's like it was a, it was some article that I wrote. I was like, oh yeah, something about like HTML forms, like the series that I'm working on. He was like, oh, like there's a million articles on this already. We, like you don't need another one. And I was just like, well, I think it's fine. And I think he even, he said something like, and this one has like total inaccuracies. The author doesn't know what they're talking about. I was like, actually, I kind of do know what I'm talking about. And can you point out the inaccuracies? And he's like, and he sends me a link to like a W3C some whatever some like you know documentation site and i'm like okay this this is not helpful like you're not telling me where this is relevant to to like to my article like can you can you explain that he's like that's what google's for it's like oh my gosh like i'm just not going to engage with this person at all so yeah thanks for taking me back there that's not your fault (laughs) yeah you start mentioning Uh, people being a jerk on reddit and i'm like wait a minute was it me no, well, in that case, I'm not it definitely say. wasn't me. Um, yeah. but that doesn't absolve you from being a jerk on Reddit. That's that's true. I've 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 done that, and then I feel bad, um, and then I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to go back and apologize, but I had to delete my account uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I got downvoted to infinity. Uh, um, that's all right. That's um, that's enough of an apology. Is is getting downvoted so much that you have to erase yourself? Account. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get, let's get back on track. What were we talking about anyway? Um, um, the so, Stack Overflow, like yeah, like this is like high, like solutions that you find on Stack Overflow and applying right. them to your code. Yeah, and you see a lot of questions on Stack Overflow that uh, you know the the follow up is always, but how do I do this in whatever? Because the answer right. is you know somehow genericized. Right. Right. Um, and so I think a, a skill that's maybe related to this and, and very important to properly executing this is being able to read code and understand what's going on. Um, and I, I think a lot of people focus on like, how can I write code when they're, when they're new and they're starting out? And I know I did this. I wanted to make sure that I could make stuff that did stuff. Right. That that's what I had in my head is like this is this is what good developers do. They make stuff that does stuff Um, and come to find out, you know, a couple years into my career. um, No, no. Uh, Good developers are are thoughtful in their approach and uh, they make sure that when they make stuff, they have an understanding of what problem it's solving. Um, and sometimes that involves looking at other solutions and how they work and whether or not they're a good fit for, for your problem. Right. Yeah. Um, which is like that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just saying like, that's, that's something that, um, I don't hear emphasized enough. I, I hear people say it from time to time, like, you know, learn to read code and, and this and that, but, um, like I can't emphasize enough how how much of a game changer it is uh, to to be able to have thorough literacy, um, not just in your language or tech stack of choice, but in reading code in general. 
never mind. There was this there was this tweet with a billboard, and it was very like Silicon Valley billboard. Um, it had to do with like taking precautions for COVID, but it was like a while loop, and it was like while alive. Yeah, like yeah. this this tweet that went around, um, and people were like, "Oh, this is JavaScript. This is JavaScript." And I'm like, "That could be any number of languages that are very similar to JavaScript. Like that syntax is is something that." you'll find in lots of languages. Um, it probably was meant to be JavaScript, but um, I, I thought it was really telling that, you know, that city felt strongly enough um, that it could use, uh, like, code syntax to communicate, like, practical knowledge. Um, yeah, so being that's, like, the only area... <laughs> It's like the only place in the world that you can actually post up a billboard that's like code and have it yeah, actually like, like fly. S Silicon Valley, uh, yeah. Seattle, and like Austin, maybe, right? Yeah, that's it's silly, but um, yeah. So this this is interesting because this touches on a couple a couple different feels for me, mm -hmm. um, which are uh, one. It, it kind of sounds like you're saying. Uh, that, you know, people should understand the code or know how to read code. And it's like, that's a, that's a, like, there's a whole different range of experiences across the board. And to say like, oh, someone needs to, like, this is a skill that someone needs to have is, it's kind of like saying, oh, you, you, you have to have an intimate understanding and be an expert of the language. Uh, that's like your expectation of someone. Um, like I know that you don't, um, and I know that you understand that, you know, there's people just getting out of boot camps and people that have been doing this for 20 years, but it's like, um, yeah, it kind of like sets the bar of like saying, um, people should know how to like get into code and rather than looking for the solution in react or in Svelte or in view, like actually understand how, the code works in the first place or like the, the generic version of it should work. Um, which I think is like, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, like some people are showing up and just like have deadlines or maybe are not experienced in, um, enough to, to be able to like read through the code and have, like, they just got to get this thing solved. They're not looking for, uh, the how they're just looking for the solution or like they're not looking for the understanding. They're just looking for the solution to get their thing working so they can ship it, you know? And I think like both of those are totally valid. Yeah, I think so. So like v validity is kind of an absolute here, right? Where like there are business interests that want to hire developers to just get shit done. And I've worked for these people, and they don't allow me time to uh, to work on performance unless that's something that they're trying to sell. There, there is work to be done in this career where, like, just getting stuff done is really all that matters. Um, my my interests really lie in um, creating kind of a, a developer friendly environment where the, the code basis I'm working in um, have some consistency, um, have some kind of nice-to-haves like uh, code comments, types, um, readmes that are kept up to date, 
these sorts of things, right? Where I think if you're just trying to get product out the door, those things tend to, to fall off. And uh, sometimes copying, pasting solutions um, is, is really just what needs to happen. And I, like, I don't, I don't want to take away from uh, somebody who is like, accomplishing a lot um, and able to just kind of get things to work. Um, but I think that there's kind of three steps in, in building something and it's an iterative process. And so, uh, the first step is definitely like make it work. Um, and then in, in my opinion, the next two steps are make it right and make it fast. Um, and these are steps that are often completely overlooked in the process. And in order to make it right, I feel like you need to, I feel like you need to kind of know um, a little bit more deeply how these solutions that you're finding on the internet work. So being able to read code is a huge boon in that, right? So even the new developers that are, that are coming on, uh, like you're talking about, that are just trying to get stuff to work, in order to really even fully understand the problem, they have to be able to read code, right? To put that code in the right place, they have to be able to. So it's not a matter of like just base literacy. Um, it's, it's a matter of like uh, the tenacity of the investigation, I guess you could say. Um, or like how deep do you dive into that rabbit hole? And, and a lot of it comes back to like how much time are you allowed to investigate this? Like is this something where it matters, right? Like yeah. do you need so to that, spend this much time on it? That, that whole like uh, this, this kind of explains a lot of things. The whole like make it work make it right, make it fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, so now I understand why you have that tattoo. Okay, I'm glad that that <laughs> cleared it up. Um, yeah, so let's see. Um, I wanna go into, yeah, like actually reading source code and what, what all that is about and, and get into that. I think um, let's take a little break um, okay. and then we can get back to, we can finish up after the break, right? Sounds good. So getting into like reading source code is interesting because on one hand, like I'm with you about code literacy being a valuable skill. I'm with you on like I've spent a lot of, I, I, I don't want to work somewhere if I'm not given the time and opportunity to learn. Like, like to me, that's such a, that's a, a very big value add for a, whatever job I'm going to have. Right. And part of that might be reading source code and looking into how people are doing different things. Now, on the flip side, I totally feel like I've spent hours pouring over something because I didn't want to use like the prepackaged solution. You know, like I'm very much a DIY uh, developer, um, re recreating the wheel to my own detriment you know so there's something to be said there is that like if you have something available um and you can just grab it like you can you can save yourself hours and you can spend those that time building out something else mm -hmm. and when you're talking about accessibility i think the key here is like uh yeah you want to make sure that what you're building is accessible or you know the person that was that tweeted whatever 
Um, you want to make sure that what you're building is accessible. That doesn't mean you have to build it yourself. That might mean you just need to learn how to test whether something is accessible and then pick and choose from the uh, options available, right? So especially when we're talking about like, you know, sharing a, a view component with someone that's working in React, that might be valuable to them. That, that also might be totally useless. It could be, depending on how yeah. ingrained it is in, yeah. in that stack. You brought up a, a point that I think is interesting, which is that like it's it's not even about necessarily code literacy. You were talking about just learning how how to test accessibility, right? Not necessarily learning like how do I implement accessibility. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do I test it? Um, which reminds me of some very recent QA tickets I've been working on, um, and you know some of some of the expected behaviors that you know I implemented um, some some aria stuff that I thought was right, uh, but the behavior that I got from the screen reader was like weird. <laughs> it wasn't what I expected, um, and so that you know, showed me the way that I investigate these things needs to change. Like I need to spend more time with, with screen readers and just go through flows and go through error scenarios and go through, you know, is my focus pulling correctly when, uh, you know, a, a toast message comes up or a modal comes up or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like actually going yeah. through and doing that. The, 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 Accessibility stuff is, is tough, but I, I think that the, the key takeaway here to me is not like, I think you reach a certain, it's, it's sort of like the path of a developer that's like, cool, um, I can, I'm, I'm capable to uh, go over to Stack Overflow and put in like a ticket and like, or maybe like search and find kind of a code snippet and just like copy and paste, right? And that's like um, very common uh, early on in your path, right? Um, but then there's like, cool. Now I can now I can go to Stack Overflow and and read through some of the different options and pick which one I think is the best, or take one and, and sort of adjust it to what I need. And then there's the like, I'm actually going to look at how other people are building it and read through source code and have that code literacy to be able to like translate it into what I need. But I think that like the the sort of like, I don't want to say senior or like best or whatever, but like at some point um, further on in, in my path, uh, I, the skill that I have valued the most is not being able to take code and create code. It's being able to um, really identify what it is that I need my code to do and test which solution is going to be able to solve that problem so that I can say, does this, let's say, let's say we're looking at it through the, the scope of accessibility, I can say, does this modal component actually have like the proper ARIA attributes or does it, you know, allow me to like use keyboard navigation properly? And if so, uh, cool. And if not, like, can I choose from these ones or is it something that I need to build myself or is it something that I can like kind of do a hybrid of the two, right? Where it's like, uh, it's, it's more a skill of deciding when I need to build it versus when I can grab something off the shelf. 
I hear you frantically typing. Are you just like... You get... So <laughs> you got at me a little bit with this Zen, the path of the developer stuff, right? Like... Uh, everyone has their own path. That's like the path that I identify. Also very Zen-like. You, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away from... Like once you've started a koan, everything you say from that point on becomes a koan. It's, it's bizarre. Mm, um, mm, yes. So... But you, you bring this up, and, and I think that there is this, this progression. Um, and, and I think that like the developers that I want to work with and the developers that, that I see um, that I want to kind of emulate um, are people who um, <laughs> like to implement their own solutions, um, but also know when to just install the library like that. So like there is, there is a level, um, there is a level of developer that finds that balance. Right. And I like, I'm definitely not there. Like I, I, I don't have a good idea of like when to do that and when not to do that. I always want to kind of like you're saying, like I'm a DIY developer. Like I, I look at yeah. a library and I look at, kind of how it's made and I'm like I don't want to install that I'm just going to strip this code out and put it in a utils folder and like it's now mine um, which is totally okay to do in most cases um, however uh, I, I think to a certain extent that like you could easily consider that time to be wasted right Oh like, yeah, I've wasted so much time. Yeah, so much time. Yeah, like <laughs> re, you you were saying, like you tend to like reinvent the wheel, and you know yeah. that that may not be an attractive quality for an employer looking for you know developers that are just going to get shit done. Um, yeah, I I actually I really admire like there's so many uh, people out there that um, have. Like it, it doesn't matter what your experience level is to some degree, because there's so many people out there that are like just get out of boot camp and then decide to like duct tape together this thing, this product, and like ship it out and make it. And it's like, you know, just a, a mess behind the scenes, but it's actually like a working product and it's out and it's live and it's like a product that is, uh, you know, making whatever, making them money or making them the newsletter subscriber, whatever it is, you know, um, I spend so much time trying to get my code to be like just absolutely perfect. And it's just like never ships. So, so, you know, I'm on this side, like, man, I wish I could just like not care and just get it to work. And, and maybe you're going to have a ton of exceptions and errors and like whatever, and it's going to be on fire everywhere, but it's actually like done, not done, but you know, out. Right. You can ship it. Yeah, it does, yeah. It does a thing. Yeah, and I mean, I can ship code. Like, I get, like it's not that. It, it's it's a almost like the ability to not care about it or not care about the quality. Like, or not that they don't even care, right? Like that's an assumption. But the the ability to ship it, even though they know it's not working. What, what is the, know. yeah, yeah, 
I think it just like it comes back to that that balance where like uh, I don't know. I think that's why most people need to work on teams, or if they don't work on on teams, they're they're working for clients with hard dead deadlines, right? Like. You're working on a team, so you have this kind of succession of experience that's telling you when it's when it's time to like let go and accept the bugs that are going to be in the wild and and ship it. Versus, you know, someone who's kind of working on their own, the the force that's pushing them to let go and just do that is, you know, my client has a launch date that I need to make this window. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's it's interesting because like this whole conversation kind of started out in one place and has gone all the way <laughs> somewhere else, right? Because we were like originally like let's talk about uh, translating from one library to another, which we haven't really even gone into <laughs> a whole lot. Um, right, right. But the idea being, I mean, because because that's kind of weird, right? Like for us to talk about for us to really cover translating code from one library to another. We, we kind of have to get into the specifics of which libraries we're going to start with and which one is uh, we're going to translate into, right? So, oh. and, and then at that point, you have to know or at least be able to learn the, let's say, like React to View, the React way of doing things, and then how, you tra- how, how that uh, corresponds to the View way of doing things. So I think like having friends right, who work in different stacks is, is one way to kind of accomplish this. Like, I, I know um, I've, I've looked specifically at the library that you've written, uh, Utensils, and, and? I've asked, been able to, like, ask you some questions. And, and? and like, I, it's neat stuff. Like, <laughs> I really think there should be something in React that does the same thing. I, I um, think there is. We can- well, then I don't know about it, yeah. so I think I should know about it then. Um, yeah. But looking looking at that immediately uh, kind of gives me some insight into okay, well, you know, the the end result of my React code uh, really can be exactly the same thing as as the end result of your view code, right? So figuring out what those differences are, like where you execute JavaScript and and how you um, kind of apply styles and structure your uh, markup, like that's really the only differences, right? Like React has some concept of life cycle uh, that I don't think you need to understand too deeply to be able to uh, kind of get some use out of looking at React code and wanting to pull that into view. Um, Angular, I don't know enough about, to be honest, to, to know how far off uh, or, or similar um, that conversion would be. Um, I have frankly never converted anything uh, from Angular. One of my first jobs was actually rewriting an Angular application uh, and I just reverse engineered it. Like I didn't, r- really didn't need to go into the code. Um, yeah. Just look at it. We need to make this do basically the same thing and I wrote it from scratch instead of Digging into what was there, I think I I think I uh, ate some of the styling because um, there was some like weird stuff going on there. Mm. Um, but yeah, like that that I think is kind of enough to get started. But but really, it's it's about like the the core of it is about that 
literacy and that um, learning to, to, to read code. And, and honestly, like one of the biggest leaps forward for me in learning to read code was looking at TypeScript types. Like uh, <laughs> digging into get out of here. Way to sneak. Of course, you're going to sneak a TypeScript thing into a hey, unrelated you know show. Welcome to the future. No, I, I like TypeScript, but I don't like you TypeScript. like TypeScript through comments, which is one I do. JS Docs, dude, heard. it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like all of the good of made me cry. The it's other all day. of the good of TypeScript without all of the bad of TypeScript. Okay, and then so there's I, a little bit of bad of JS Docs. I'll be honest. Okay. I yeah. I'd be super curious. Um, I'd be super curious to know like what's bad about JS Docs. Uh, I can tell you what's bad about TypeScript. Those compiler errors, absolutely useless. Um, m most of the problems you run into in TypeScript um, require you to be very high level Google foo. Like yeah. You, yeah. you had better be intimately familiar with. Uh, like the TS error codes, finding those, looking those up in, in their specific documentation. Um, because as much as uh, TypeScript is pretty well established, um, the errors are so specific to where they happen, um, I find that they're almost useless. Almost useless. Because um, they come I, I... down to how you've written your types. And yeah. if you've written your types in a weird way, the errors are going to be weird yeah i think uh I, I think that's a that sounds like a you problem not a typescript problem well so i've i've worked on projects in typescript that uh the the types are very very standard and, and pretty sparse uh you know like we're not doing anything funky and i'm working on a project right now where the types are really really exhaustive um, yeah. And to be totally fair, like done right, like these are correctly done types, but the errors um, are not helpful. Okay. Um, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's have a TypeScript show at some point. <laughs> I think we already talked TypeScript at some point, but we did. We did. We, can get, but, we should but have a JS. What I'm getting show. at, right, is yeah. like I will be reading documentation to figure out, mm. okay, mm. how do I do yeah. this in Apollo, right? Like what? Yeah. What can I do? But like, I'll, I'll be putting in what it says to do in the documentation, but then when I go and look at the types, uh, it doesn't reflect what's in the documentation. And so there's a mismatch there. Okay, so how does the code actually work when it comes to this? Like, what is the execution path? And going through and reading that and figuring out because, okay, I found a mismatch in the type against the documentation. Um, I have to assume the type is correct because that is, you know, much more much more closely associated with what I'm running locally, right? So specifically in Apollo, there there are problems with um, like they're they're typing for use mutation hooks, um, and we've done some extensive wrapping around that to do like runtime type checking, and like the amount of reading of their code that I had to do in order to just get that to work was really intense. Um, but yeah. then we got it to work. Yeah. I had some, I had some thoughts. So I, I, I can't relate to that. I mean, I, I like, I like typing. I think that, um, especially, uh, with VS code being able to like do a lot of the IntelliSense and tell you, you know, the 
types. Like it, it can really give you a, an insight into how some code is working, but I haven't read through like TypeScript code, for example. But I think that you know my my sort of takeaway is from from this conversation or, or my my closing thoughts are kind of like um, I think it's I think reading through source code and being able to like take working code and and having the uh, ability to translate it to what you need uh, is great for learning new things because if you're forced to look at source code you might pick up tips or tricks or how someone else like anytime you can you can get an insight from how someone else does something and, and actually understand it um, you may never use that but it's good to have that knowledge it'll either reinforce what you know or teach you something new I think that um, there is a there's certainly value in being able to do things yourself um, but speaking like my own experience is that I'm, I'm too tempted to do things myself and so what what happens is I'll end up yeah like spending unnecessary time on on rebuilding something that I could have just like grabbed a solution for and a lot of the times solutions like pre-built solutions are even more robust and and offer solutions that I will need somewhere in the future right, uh, right. that I, that if I go with my own thing I'm going to have to like build any any additional functionality I'm going to have to build so it's like a it's a it's an investment of time today and any time that I need to extend it so um I guess you know do as I say not as I do <laughs> sort of thing I think that's pretty practical I mean yeah yeah the skill that I would the skill that I would value is more is Try and try and develop the ability to know when to build it and know when to grab something else. I would give that advice or the opposite, <laughs> depending <laughs> on where somebody is in their career and what their career yeah. goals are. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so of if course. your career goal it is always like, depends. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, hey, subtlety. Yeah nuance mm. let's get into yes. it but yeah. like so if if your goal in your career is you know to to just stay employed and like make stuff and like i don't think developers need to work on weekends and have passion projects and all of that like if this is just a job then just install packages get shit done copy paste like get through it like yeah, get that paycheck be yeah like be a bricklayer which is not like a bad thing like honestly this is a trade through and through this is like we are not people who are paid like some people get all heady and they're, we're knowledge workers like that is absolute horseshit you're not paid to know things you're paid to build things you're paid to accomplish a task gonna disagree with you on that one but okay knowledge okay. worker let's well yeah i mean accessibility right like you got to build things that you have to have knowledge of things so then so then tell me the person who is building a wheelchair accessible ramp at uh, a mall the, the this person is an expert in the angle no that's the architect that's somebody who has written the spec that's somebody who like writes fucking browser engines like that's not us like we are implementing to a spec that exists and we're expected to 
have some understanding of it, but we're here to build it. We're here to implement. We're not here to like profess, right? So a true profession is somebody who speaks for a living, right? They're, that's a knowledge worker. This, these are typically uh, lawyers, teachers, um, but we're paid to produce things. We are, we are tradesmen, tradespeople. Uh, we are workers. Um, sometimes our opinions matter. A lot of times they don't. Yeah, take and it so to like if, if you're in this for a paycheck, don't pay attention to anything I've said. Your, your code literacy should really end at five um, and like just get that paycheck. Um, but if this is something that like is moderately interesting to you, if you're a nerd, um, if you're like into this stuff because it, uh, it, it satisfies something in you when you read something, understand it, are able to implement it and then twist it to your needs. Uh, this is something I'm really into. Uh, so like I do that. Uh, and if it, if it gives you that, then absolutely your, your career will benefit from it. Um, but it's like, it's, it's purely situational like what advice I would give somebody. But yeah, man, like we're, we're tradesmen. Yeah. At the end of the day, do do what feels, do what makes you feel good and doesn't hurt anyone else. Do what gets you paid. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know what? Uh, you did kind of touch on this. There was one point that we didn't get to on the show that we, we talked about in the pre-show that I wanted to talk, that I wanted to definitely get in here, which is, I think, um, you should always bet on the platform. So Grant, you had mentioned that like, um, sh- translating code from React to Svelte to Angular or whatever, mm-hmm. like going library to library is is one thing, um, but you know, in your next your your next project might not be whatever code whatever library or framework you're using in your current project, and so if you can translate down to the sort of fundamentals of the web, which are HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, and not not these frameworks and tools built on top of them. If you can get down to the basics or the fundamentals, that code is going to be portable to every project. You know, every front-end project is going to be able to use that, which I really value. And actually, uh, I got I to tell you something after the show about this this little side project that I'm working on I'm really excited about. Okay. Um, and so with that, yeah, let's uh, let's let's move on to shoutouts. Unless you got uh, something else, any last words of wisdom? No, no, I totally agree with that opinion, and I think that like the the closer we can stay to like the vanilla languages, and the better your understanding of those, like you said, bet on the platform. I'm like, what do you mean the platform being React? Like, no, <laughs> Grant, yeah, no. web platform, the web, uh, yeah. Yeah, that that I think is like that's that's the most valuable thing that we've said uh, <laughs> in, in in the whole podcast. Uh, if you stuck around for it, good on you. Um, shout outs. Um, I I don't know. Um, are these are these different from picks? Are these not yeah, sick just picks? same thing? Picks, shout outs, whatever. Anything picks. that you, uh, yeah, anything that you. Uh, product, service, person, concept uh, that you want to acknowledge could be um, could be something you did yourself. Or... Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been riding a bike, and I think that is fantastic. And, like, 
I, I think uh, riding bikes is, is cool and kids should, kids should ride bikes and so should adults. Um, but like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you ever grew up like in, in a neighborhood where like you'd go out on your bike and find the other kids in the neighborhood. Oh, uh, we had a bike crew. Oh man. Yeah, for sure. That was fun. So, like, yeah. Getting, getting back on a bike after a number of years, uh, which shall not be revealed. Um, it's there's like some nostalgia to it and then there's like all the practical benefits like to my health and you know like all of this stuff so like i'm i'm really having a good time with it and i think it's something that um during uh these times where we're locked inside quite often um and need activities where we have to have to be away from people like i think it's a good one yeah yeah i see that i see that stationary bike back there oh yeah, sure enough, yeah. I, I have an outside bike uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, in the before times when I would, uh, commute to work, I, I it was like, me so sad. <laughs> no, it so was, uh, I know it's going to be weird. I, yeah. It'll be weird though, to see the long-term effects of, uh, the soul situation. But, um, yeah. So tell me in the before times. In the before times when I, when uh, it was like a big selling point, if I could, if I, if the company that I was going to work at was within biking distance. So I have gone like, I mean, I, I worked at some places that were 10 miles and 10 miles commute is not short on a bike. Yeah. Um, but I would do that. And I always really enjoyed the the biking commute. That's fun. That's nice. So uh, my shout outs, um, I'm going to give a shout out to all or most of the NPR podcast shows. So, I mean, NPR is like, you know, more of a liberal leaning organization. But even if, you know, you even if you want to avoid the, the political stuff, um, they have a lot of fantastic shows. So. Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me is hilarious is a hilarious way to get news. And I think they get a do they do a good job of ripping on Republicans and Democrats. Uh, and then on top of that, like all of the like all, all of their shows, I'm going to just do a shout out for all of their shows. Um, what are some of their good ones? I think they do the car talk show, which is great. Car talk um, is, uh, no, what, no, it's so, not. no, one of the Tappet brothers died a couple years back and they, they stopped doing the show after that. Oh, okay, uh, but, but that but that was NPR. Yeah, that was NPR. Um, uh, they have radio. Uh, what is it? Science radio? No, Radio Lab. Radio Lab is great. Radio Lab is some of just the most gorgeous storytelling that is also educational. Oh. Freakonomics Radio. Yeah. Um, this American Life. God, they're all they are all so good. Yeah, NPR. I I would. He mentioned that they're they're liberal leaning. I, I really would consider them pretty centrist. I mean, they are national public radio. It's publicly funded. Yeah. Um, it's it feels like one of the last bastions of actual journalism. Um, so no, I think so. But I think if you're anyway, we're not going to get into that. But um, I really like it, and I think that yeah, if you can, I mean, I, I think that a lot of their shows are non political, and and they're all really fantastic. So. That is our show for today. Uh, I want to say special thanks for Grant um, for being able to make it on the show today and coming up with the topic. Uh, special thanks to our YouTube audience live. Um, made the chat a lot of fun. 
Um, special thanks to you, our lovely listener on the show. Um, and yeah, please, if you uh, have any advice, tips, things you want to hear us talk about, would love to uh, chat with you sometime. Um, hit us up at either Grant or Austin at thefncall.com. And that's it. Like it, share it. Check us out. Do All it. Right? Click, click the buttons. <laughs> All right. See ya. The Function Call was edited, mixed, and mastered by Kato Zane. See her work at katonoise.com. For show notes, other episodes, and more information about the show, visit our website at thefncall.com.